0: Amazing morning. I think I've ever seen so many things happen one morning. Earlier in the week. Of fusion with the rest of the regions beyond churches. And all the messages that are coming through at the moment is that God has something new for us. God is going to take us into a new season. Now I'm not going to claim that I fully know what that looks like, but I do know that when I hear things like this, I want to be part of it. I want to be embracing everything that God has for us. So what I'm going to talk about this morning is. Is how we get in line with God, how we get ourselves ready to be carried on with everything that He is doing. Now, it's been amazing seeing these guys being baptized this morning. So, well done, all of you, including the extra two. That's been brilliant. And I know sometimes it can be scary getting here yeah. with uh, giving you testimony. So, well done, guys. But um, that serves just as a reminder to each of us yeah. why we are here. And it's all about Jesus. Yeah. It's all what Jesus did for us, that He took. Every one of our thoughts, yeah. our weaknesses, everything that separated us from him, and everything that disqualified us from his presence, and he dealt with it was on the a oh, it was? Now, you may have noticed that brought equity, but they, they are not still so submerged in that. <laughs> they have been raised up just as Jesus was raised on the third day, and we are raised into Christ. Jesus said, I came... That you have, may have life and you may have it abundantly. We keep hearing this word of the and it keeps propping up God's abundance, abundant life.
1: Well, I also have another
0: bit a what that abundant life looks like. And in order to do that, we need to look at the one person who lived out that abundant life, and that's Jesus. He's the only one that's done that perfectly. So, to look at Jesus, what do we see? Well, we see somebody who lived a life of purity. He was perfect. He was without sin. He didn't explain wrong. He also lived a life of power. Jesus spoke words into people's lives that changed them. He spoke words of prophecy. He spoke words of knowledge. He spoke wisdom. He also carried out many miracles, many feelings. He lived that life of power. He also lived a life of relationships. But with the relationship with the people around him, he loved everybody unconditionally. And he loved God and knew without any doubt how much the Father loved him. He knew intimately the desires of the Father's heart. And he put each of those desires above his own. And he regularly took himself off to be in the Father's presence. So Jesus lived the perfect abundant life. But he didn't just say, this is how you do it, off you go. He gave us the keys to living that abundant life. In fact, he he said, I am the life. So living abundant life is to know Jesus. And it's to spend time in the presence of the Holy Spirit, who is the Spirit of Jesus, and allowing him to work in us. So we're going to have a look at John 15. You are the branches, whoever has what is in me, and I in him. He it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch in withers. The branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, but you bear much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept the Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is a very clear instruction that comes out from this passage from Jesus, and that is to abide in him. And to abide means... To remain, to continue, to persist. There is an action there. Now as I've already said, Jesus took time out to be with the Father. He knew that he needed to be in his Father's presence. And he would regularly take himself off from the crowds, go up into the mountain, and he would spend that time along with the Father. Jesus also operated under the power of the Holy Spirit. Now Jesus was fully God. He had within him all the power of the Godhead. But when he came to man, he chose to empty himself that. He chose to be dependent upon the Father and upon the Holy Spirit for everything he did. He He put obedience over his own individualism. That relationship that exists between the Godhead, that is the Father, Son and Holy Spirit, It is full, it is infinite in love. They love each other so much. Each one prefers the other to themselves. They lift up one another, they glorify one another, and they delight in one another. Now, what blows my mind is that through what Jesus did on the cross, through the presence of the Holy Spirit, we get drawn to that. Not because we have made it, not because we're perfect, but because of God's grace in our lives. And God promises us in the Bible that he will always be with us, that he will never leave us. But when Jesus talks about abiding, this actually goes on to a much deeper level. Now Keith often tells me a story about his first year at university. And he shared a room during this year. The guy that he was sharing a room with had a very different timetable to him. And they had very different social lives. So chances were, if they were in that room at the same time, at least one of them was asleep. They got to the end of that year, and they hardly knew each other. We can spend time with somebody without interacting with them. And the same is true with God. We can be with him, and he is with us, but we need to interact with him. Now, this is not a sermon about how long we should be reading our Bibles, how long we should be praying. Instead, I want to ask you a question. Do you grasp how much God loves you? Now, I'm actually going to answer that question for you as well and tell you the answer is no. It doesn't matter how aware you are of God's love for you, there is so much more. And we need to ask him for revelation after revelation of his love for us. Now it might be that you've heard people say that God is love or that God loves you, but you've never really thought about what that meant. you it's never really affected you. Well, let me just paint a picture of that love this morning. Before the beginning of time, that is, millions of years before we existed, God knew us. God had planned us. God longed for a relationship with us. And it was because of that love that he had for us before we even existed that he started creating in the first place. Now, God knew at that point that we would reject him. He knew that we would want to go off and do it our own way. We would want to put ourselves first rather than him. He knew that we would live lives that are not honourable to him and that we cannot come into his presence in that way. In that he knew that in order to restore that relationship, he would need to come and suffer and die in our hands. He knew that his love was so great for us that he continued. And that love, I'm going to seal Adrian's word this morning because I like it. That love pursues us. That love chases each one. We have heard testimony this morning of individuals who God has pursued. There are many of us in this room who know that pursuing of God. That love belongs to bless us. That love longs to satisfy our deepest desires and our deepest needs. And that love is jealous for us and longs to be the object of our affection. Now there was time in my early days as a Christian when I didn't really understand what it meant to come into God's presence. I'd heard that to get to know God better, you had to read your Bible and you had to pray. And for some reason, in my head, you did this for 10 minutes a day. Now, I had this impression of God that He was sitting up there in heaven with His clipboard and He was watching me. And I'd come, I'd get my shopping list of prayers out, I'd fire them up, I'd read my chapter, job done, and I'd have got a tick on God's clipboard. So then, day two, I'd come back and have my 10 minutes, fire up those prayers, quick chapter of the Bible, 10 minutes done, second tick. After a week, well, I have made it. I've got a whole week of ticks going on this Christian life, I like, yeah, have got this cracked. But then I'd get to the following week, and I'd get to Thursday or Friday and think, I haven't picked up the Bible. I've forgotten to pray. I can't do this Christian life. This, this is too hard. And then I would get demoralised and just not even think about it. Then after a few weeks again, I've got this really burst of motivation. Right, going to get those ten minutes back on track, and then fire up those shopping list of prayers, read that chapter, and off we go again. And I used to go round in circles like this. You know, God was gracious. He did teach me things along the way. But really, I was coming in him, and I was speaking at him, reading the Bible, and I was not giving him any space to do anything. And then one day, somebody said to me, now, just, you might need to get your pens and paper up. because this is really complex. They said to me, if you want to get to know God better, ask him. Now, I didn't dare admit to them that I'd never thought of that. But anyway, I went away. And I did. I asked God. I said, I want to know you more. Help me. How do I do it? What I realised was that I hadn't been giving God space. I had been firing up my side of the bargain, but not listening to his. And as I, as I began to give God space, he began to reveal his love for me. He began to show me how he saw me. He began to show me that I was his beloved child. And you know what I discovered? God's love is infectious. The more he revealed his love to me, the more I loved him. And those ten minutes changed. In fact, I don't know how long that he came. But they, instead of firing at that shopping list of prayers, I was pouring out my heart to God. I was spending time listening to him, talking about how I was feeling, talking to him about my relationship with him. And when I came to read the Bible, no longer was it a chapter job done. But suddenly these words were leaking out the page at me. They were life-giving. God had changed that. No longer... Was I performing a religious duty that I had to do to please God?
1: Instead, I
0: realised that I get to come into God's presence. I am invited into God's presence. Do you know, what we do. We get to come into the presence of the living God. Now, sometimes I have to remind myself who that is that we get to come into. Last weekend, my News feed on Facebook was full of very excited people. Lots of photographs and things, and there was one post that said, I'm less than 200 metres away from Ed Sheeran. <laughs> <laughs> we get excited when we meet famous people, don't we? I was standing in the queue with Keith once at uh, Newcastle, Airport, digging him in the side, Robson brains in the front, you've got to do it subtly, so I was giving him a good dig. When we meet famous people It becomes a story that we remember, that we tell people, don't we? But you know what? When we come to God, God is so much greater. He's beyond a famous person. And you know what? We don't have to sit at the back. We don't have to be 200 metres away from him. God invites us into the holiest place and he says, approach the throne with confidence. Because what Jesus has We are now qualified to come into that holiest place. And it's in that place that we meet with God. It's in that place that he pours out his love to us. It's in that place that he reveals the secrets of his heart to us. And it's in that place that he transforms us and makes us more like Jesus. Now in the passage that I've just read, it says that we cannot bear fruit apart from Jesus. So what's he referring to with these fruits? Well, it's the characteristics of Jesus that we've looked at earlier. And Paul summarizes these in Galatians as the fruits of the Spirit. <laughs> we can't become more like Jesus on our own. This is not a call to behave yourselves and try harder. Because on those times that we do get it right, it, gets, it ends up a little bit like my ticky Box Bible reading. we like, yes, I did it. Aren't I great? How humble am I? And we get very proud of ourselves, and then it goes wrong, and we think, "Oh, I can't do this." Mystery. All the other Christians are better at this. Than me. It is only by God's grace that we can be transformed. It is only by coming into His presence and allowing Him to do that work in us. It's all about Jesus. It's not about us. So God's presence is amazing. It is a powerful, beautiful place to be in sometimes we find it difficult to get there. And I think one of the key reasons about that is we're easily distracted. Life is busy. We've got busy jobs. We've got family life. There is a lot going on. I used to be a teacher before I had my two boys. And there would be times when I just had such a long to-do list that I would be working through these, prioritising them. And they would squeeze out my time with God. Now, what I lost sight of at times was this. God had given me that job. And God was going to give me everything that I needed in order to do that job. But if I wasn't paying to him, how can I receive it? And so I ended up doing it in my strength. And that was exhausting. And burnt out. It takes faith. When we're really busy with important things, to say, well, I've got all this to do, but I'm going to give this time to God. What we need to do is, that is where he will equip us for everything else that he has for us. Do you know, I want to be somebody who prioritizes God. When I look at my time, I want to put him in first. I don't want to add him into the gaps. I want to put him first. Then we need to protect that time with God. We need to know what it is that stops us. Now, one of the times for me that's difficult, my two boys are 10 and 8 now. And through term time, they're off at school. And most, most days, I can quite easily find a good slot where I can spend some time with God. But in the holidays, it's harder. Because suddenly that house is full, it's a little bit noisier. <laughs> one of them sitting down here, we go out, we do lots of things as a family, and if I'm not careful, because the routine is gone, I can miss out my time with God in that, and I have to protect it, I have to make a conscious effort to put that time in, and Keith and I help each other out with this, we can tell when the other one hasn't had their time with God. (laughs) Yeah, and there'll be times that one of us will say, "Right, I'll take the boys out. You have a bit of time." We need to protect our own time, but help, us help each other out as well. Protect that for each other. And there's some of us here who have got much younger children, and that's more of a challenge, isn't it? When they're when they're toddlers, I remember in those days I had to, to remind myself there isn't a set format of for spending time with God. It doesn't have to look like a certain thing. It is a heart attitude that says, God, I'm putting you into my day. So it might be when you've got little ones running around, you can't get an hour to yourself for anything. <laughs> but if you can grab at times a way you can really kind of focus, even if it's five minutes here, five minutes there, where you put your focus onto God, he will impact your day and he will change you. Now another area that I've, I've spotted that I, I need to be careful I enjoy running. I'm not a brilliant runner. I'm not going to get any medals for speed, but I start and I finish somewhere else. <laughs> Hopefully, it's been a looping get home. <laughs> now, I joined um, a running club recently, and that's been great. I mean, you get to share these stories with other people. You get to share something that you passionate about. And when I first started running, I chose it because I thought, right, it's free, I can do that. However, when you get into a group of people that love running, you start getting carried along with this. And and there's all this comparing of different equipment, and these trainers for this, and these for this, and this type of watch. And suddenly you think, well, if I go along that, it's no longer free. But also, there's this race going on, there's this race going on, and there's just so much... And I would find myself getting excited in these conversations. Yeah, I'm going to do these races. I'm going to have a look at this equipment. And then I got home and looked into those races. And when were they all? Sunday morning. And I looked and I just thought, Sonny, no. Put God first. This is about fitness. It is not going to replace God. So we've got to look at the things that are in our lives that can keep us from God. And be aware of them. We all have different things. Now, as I mentioned, uh, many of us were down in Norwich a couple of weeks ago at Fusion. And in the final session of that, Paul Simpson was talking. And he was talking about something that affects the Western church. And that's apathy. And he used a very simple statement. He said, if the enemy can't make you suffer, he'll make you bored. What a simple way to disempower the church. Because when we suffer, we cry out to God. When we're excited, we celebrate God. When we're bored, we do nothing. And we start looking to all the other things in life that can entertain us. You know, we have a choice. As I've already said, we are invited into the very presence of the living God. We are invited into that place where his power and his holiness are. And sometimes we look at that and we say, I'll watch Netflix instead. I think I'll scroll through Facebook and see what everybody's had for their dinner today. <laughs> we replace God's presence with all sorts of things. Now, I'm not saying any of those things are bad in and of themselves, but when they replace God, they will not satisfy us the way that he does. They will not Fulfill us the way that Jesus does. And they certainly won't change us the way that Jesus does. Now David in the Psalms would use a lot of phrases like, Awake my soul, praise the Lord, O my soul, why you damn cast, O my soul. He was talking to himself. He knew that that at that point in time, his feelings about God's presence weren't what he wanted them to be. And we all have these times. We can encourage ourselves in that same way. We can draw ourselves into God. We can speak his words over ourselves. It's not about trying to summon something up. It's about aligning ourselves. In the way that I did when, when I learned that all I had to do was ask him. It's aligning ourselves so that we can receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. And, it intercedes, and he intercedes for us on our behalf. When we're in that place... But we don't want to be when we are struggling to get to God's presence. When we take that step to align ourselves, we are having the most powerful prayer prayed over us at that point by the Holy Spirit. How encouraging is that? Now Romans eight twenty eight says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called, are called according to his purpose. The first that God has really taught me about over the last few years is taught me how to understand this. Now, in the last couple of years, Keith um, and I have had a, a challenging time when it comes to jobs. We've seen Keith's job and my business we were both at one point thriving come to, well, nothing. And in both of those situations, we just came before God and said, Let this play out the way you want it. We want your will, even if that's not what we would choose. And it was difficult, and it's been painful when you see something that you've put a lot of time and effort into disappear. But in that, we've seen God do amazing things. We've seen miraculous financial provision. And we've seen God work our circumstances in ways that we could not have imagined. God has the best for us. When he says that all things work together for good, it's not in the circumstances. The financial provision that we have seen from God has amazed me. It's been wonderful, but it's not in that that has been God's best. God has drawn me into his presence in a way that I have never imagined. He has revealed his love for me indeed. He has taken me to deeper places of intimacy. That is God's best. God's best is him. So I just want to encourage you, whatever you are facing, whatever circumstances are going on in your life at the moment, whether they're good or whether they're bad, and I know we've got some difficult circumstances going on at the moment for people. Whatever you're going through, God is in that you. God is working through those circumstances for your best. He is working because he wants to draw you closer to him. He wants to reveal his love to you. He wants to pour out his heart to you. He may well break into those circumstances. He may well change them. But seek him above those circumstances. So the presence of God will transform us. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 3 that as we gaze upon the glory of God, that is as we spend time in his presence, we will be transformed, not a little bit, from one degree of glory to another. In other words, we become more like Jesus. By continually spending time in the Holy Spirit and in the presence of God, we will see the transformation that took place in Acts 2. In that chapter, the disciples are hiding away in a room, they're fearful, they know that they are not fighting the month. The Holy Spirit comes, and the Holy Spirit fills them. They leave that room and they are filled with boldness. They are filled with the power of the Spirit. They go out, they go out of power, they see healings, miracles, signs, wonders. Peter, who a few weeks previously had denied that he even knew Jesus out of fear, he goes out and he preaches the sermon of his life. That spirit is the same spirit that we dwell in. It's the same spirit that longs to fill us. The same Spirit who longs to bring that same transformation to us. We too will be filled with boldness as a dwelling spirit. Our mouths will be filled with words of evangelism. We will know our identity in Jesus. We will be used for signs of wonders and miracles. We will be filled with with that unconditional love. As we share our lives together, we will see greater unity as we lay down competitiveness and in our individualism. We will be filled with awe for Jesus and our lives will be marked by worship. We will see people healed physically, mentally and emotionally. And just as we've seen this morning, our numbers will be added. Too. God has a new season for us as a church. He's shown us this morning that he is planning our future. He's drawing us deeper into his presence. He's mobilising us as a body. And he's transforming us from one degree of glory to another. Can I just encourage you? Spend time in his presence.